Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment, action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one. All you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the Department of Human Affairs or DMA and check it out right now. What's up, everybody? I'm Brian Wayne, and this is episode 26 of the Cheers to Comics podcast. This week, I'll be going over all of the books released on the 10th of April, 2019, as well as talking about anything else relative to the world of comic books. Uh, Full disclosure, there definitely will be spoilers and language, so if you're cool with all that, grab yourself a drink. Let's talk comics. But first, let's talk about what I'm drinking this week. Once again, I will be featuring uh, Upslope Brewing Company out of Boulder. I like the yellow cans, or orange, as my producer argues. That was Doctor Strange Love, by the way. It was the yellowest thing in the pack. It was the yellow. Yeah, we got a we got a variety pack. So the color of the can may change to the viewers, not the listeners, because you wouldn't know the difference. So um, let's get on with the let's get on with the news. Few small topics to talk about. Uh, this one I just saw pop up earlier today. We are getting a Wolverine and Blade one-shot coming in July. And uh, this book has actually been in the making for about 10 years. And the biggest indication of that is the fact that Wolverine's wearing his X-Force gray suit from a book 11 years ago. So it's exciting stuff. Who's on this? Uh, Mark Guggenheim is writing it, penning the whole thing, and... He's not necessarily known for comic books as much as he is the, the screenwriting for Arrow, the TV show. So that's cool. And then Dave Wilkins is going to be uh, behind the art. And, uh, he's more of a cover artist than anything, so it's going to be kind of neat to see what he's, what he's doing on, the, on some interiors. So that's exciting stuff. It's only going to be a one-shot, but like I said, Blade vs. Wolverine. I think it's exciting enough just right there. Uh, another piece of news is uh, oh, Infinity Warps is coming back. Infinity Warps is uh, an entire tied uh, into Marvel's latest uh, or last event with the Infinity Wars, like they did. And the Infinity Warps, I presumed, would eventually come back, and it is coming back. Uh, all of the characters, like Iron Hammer and Weapon Hex and. Uh, Soldier Supreme and all of them, some bitches, are getting an annual. So I think they're going to be produced at a weekly rate. Once again, another July release thing. I have a feeling July is going to be a heavy, heavy month because, uh, yeah, like I said, just those two pieces right there along with all the other stuff happening. And the other small, small piece of news, uh, I don't have a whole lot of details on it. It's we can only speculate what he'll be doing at this point, but we know that Spawn 300 is happening very, very soon. We're getting down to it. We're in the final arc leading up to it. And uh, Jim Lee's going to be making an appearance, drawing some Spawn. 
A lot of people think, I wouldn't say a lot of people, it's hard to say who thinks. I would think that it's probably going to be a cover or a variant cover, or if there's going to be, in Spawn 300, if there's going to be a bunch of various small stories, like comic books tend to do for milestone issues, where they just get a whole collection of badass artists and writers to do something. I don't know. If that's the case, I would imagine that maybe if he used penciling interiors, it would be in just like a little three or four page mini whatever. Fact is, is that Jim Lee's going to be drawing Spawn, and that's fucking exciting. So that's all I got for the news, man. Is there anything else that I missed, you think, Mason? No? Good? Not that I'm aware of. All right. Yeah, I didn't think so either. Um, yeah, no one died, anything like that. So, yeah, all good news. That's a good thing. Fucking, yeah. Let's get on with the overview. There's a... Oh, man. Some good stuff to talk about this week. I'm going to start with DC this week. I'm going to go Superman, number 10. Brian Michael Bendis, Ivan Reese, Brandon Peterson, Eau Claire Albert, Joe Prado, and the brilliant Alex Sinclair behind the colors. Uh, I got uh, Alex Sinclair, Ivan Reese, Joe Prado cover as well. So... Superboy, or John, as we know, is still at the um, uh, Fortress of Solitude, explaining his time away to Mommy and Daddy, a.k.a. Lois and Clark. And uh, where his, his story left off was explaining how he got separated from Grandpa Jor-El in the Black Hole, and he came across Evil Mommy, Evil Mommy's bad bitch. So essentially, she's just chasing him around this universe for a long time. A very long time. And the whole time he's like, well, I guess Grandpa's not coming back. I uh, must have really pissed him off. And then eventually, he does make his way back with a big-ass gun. Well, it looks like something Rocket Raccoon would have built. And he comes in, saves his ass, brings him back to the ship. And you get this whole, like, oh, you were gone, that sucks, and oh, I missed you, and then John realizes how long he had actually been gone, because when Grandpa shows up, he's like, oh, I'm pretty sure he aged, like, ten years, that's weird. And so, this is where the, the kind of explaining, like, why John has progressed in age so much, and then Grandpa's like, oh, dude, it's only been a day. Like, if if you went back to Earth now, your parents wouldn't even know that you were, they would barely even know you're gone. Because it hasn't really been any time in their time. So that's, like, mind-blowing for him. And eventually... And then he explains, he's like, Grandpa, I wasn't running away from you. Because then he, he kind of loses it again. Grandpa Jor-El loses it again. He's a fucking loose loose cannon, man. He's just up and down with his, Oh, I love you, grandson. And then, ah, oh, I'm going to strangle you, grandson. And then he goes back to that, I'm going to strangle you, grandson mode. And he was like, ah, oh, you left me. And he was like, dude. And John's like, dude, if, if I were leaving you, like, I would have went home. I wouldn't have got last in some black hole and got chased around by evil mommy all these years. Like, I, I, I didn't leave. It was an accident. Like, granted, yes, I wanted to go home. I wanted to leave you, but I didn't run away. And then he hands him this, uh, this box. Joro hands him this box. And as he's handing him in this box, boom, big explosion on the ship. And he's like, oh, what's going on? And the the hole breaks, and he's, John's flying through the hole. And uh, last second, Jor-El, he, like, 
Cass is one, and you all see all the sparklies around John. And he sends him away, and as soon as he sends him away, you see Rolgalzar making an appearance again. And along with, I believe, it looks like Zod, now that I look at it. I missed that the first time through. And the next thing you know, John's back on Earth. He lands in this, this pool, and he's got all these, uh, I was going to say terrorists, <laughs> tourists, <laughs> uh, taking pictures of him. So everybody knows John's back now. Then we go back to the Fortress of Solitude, present time, and Clark's like, dog, check it out. Explain the thing that bashed into the ship. And he explains it apparently good enough for Clark to be like, oh, that's, that's Rogal Zar. We need to kill him real fucking quick. And Superman kind of gives him this look, and he's like, I know you just went through some shit, but how do you feel about going through some more shit? And John's like, you know what, sir? That sounds pretty good, sir. I'm, I've had my rest, sir. Let's like so he's you, and I, I he's kind of how he's talking. Like he's trying to like show Dad that you know, I've become a man, sir. Blah blah blah. And I'm older now. And Clark gets this this gleam in his eye, like you know what? Maybe you have grown up. And then he touches his shoulder, and then you get this beam of light, like shoots up into space. And John's like, I didn't know the suit can do that. I don't think any of us knew that this suit could do whatever the hell this suit is doing right now. Clark grabs his son, and they, like, rocket up into space. And I, I don't know what the hell that was about. And then you just see him in space, and there's all types of chaos happening. And that's where the story ends. So now it's Superman and Superboy out to probably fuck up Jor-El and Rogalzar. And I thought Zod was cool. Based off, you know, a few issues ago, because that's where Superman left Rolgalzar last. He's like, oh no, Zod's going to take care of this? Fucking, that's cool. We'll just leave it at that. So, yeah, no, that was that was Superman. Uh, I believe that's more Unity Saga. It's like part four or five at this point. So it's been a fun arc. I like, I like uh, John coming back. I think I like this older John. And he mentions, too, he's like, eventually I should probably call Damien, let him know I'm back. You know, because they're supposed to be cute. So, yeah, no, there's there's a whole lot to this. There's a lot of, there's some comedic moments for sure, as Brian Michael Bendis likes to throw in. So, still digging Superman. Uh, more DC. Detective Comics 1001. 1001. It's practically binary at this point. There's so many damn issues. Medieval is the name of this book. And for a good reason, because this is kind of a big deal. The Medieval Knight, or, yeah, the, the Medieval Knight, the Arkham Knight, my bad, is officially canon now. And we, <laughs> damn, this book was way better than I expected it to be. When leading up into De- Detective Comics, I only read, like, the last three or four issues before I got to 1,000. Wasn't totally sure what the hell, I mean, I know t- uh, Peter J. Tomas, he's a hell of a writer, but I just wasn't sure what I was being told at this point, but now we're at this new, all brand new arc. And I am really digging the style on this. We got Peter J. Tomasi, Brad Walker, Andrew Hennessy, and Nathan Fabian. And uh, the cover is also done by the same artistic team as well, which I dig. So it starts out where we got, presumably, the um, Arkham Knight gathering his subjects, and he's pretty much swearing, knighting them in. And you get just like a one quick page of that, or I guess two pages, and then we go to Gotham, 
And we've got Gordon in Gotham City Park. And as you look around, you just see a whole fuck ton of dead bats just laying around. And he's like, I've got a bat problem. I don't know who to call. Spider-Man. Just kidding. He calls Batman. And fucking, he's... Well, we get Bruce and Alfred in the Batcave together. And I'm not going to give away the, the back-and-forthness. But goddamn, I love the back and forthness between the two. Once again, just throwing a quick comedic quip. That's hard to say. Glad I pulled that off first try. And then, yeah, so uh, pretty much Bruce is dissecting a bat, trying to get answers. And he's like, oh, I know who to go to for bat problems. Everybody knows who to go to for bat problems. And uh, Gordon goes to Batman. Batman goes to Man-Bat. Problem is, Man-Bat be busy. So he goes to Francine. Uh, his, I want to say it's Kurt's sister, Kurt being man bat. So he goes to the lab, and she's going nuts. Like, there's something going on in her head. She's freaking out, and then she injects herself with the serum. Batman's like, no, don't do that. I don't want to beat you up. So she does it anyways, and they go flying through Gotham, and we get, like, a good, I don't know, like, four or five pages minus the ads, maybe even six pages of Batman just trying to chase down this uh, Francine through Gotham. And then after he subdues her, um, he, like, ties her up to the in the Gotham City Zoo, puts her in a zoo cage, and then calls the, the, the cops to come get her, and then, boom, in the distance, big explosion. Batman's going to go find out what's going on with this explosion. Well, I guess there he's got a bunch of, uh, air quotes, knights, and... He's got to fight all these guys, and he's getting his ass whooped. I mean, he's got arrows sticking out of him at this point. Like, he's still running through and being Batman, but eventually it just all becomes too much for him. And finally, you see in the distance our boy, the uh, the Arkham Knight, with his eyes all glowy and blue. And Batman's just kind of too wore out and weak to take him on at this point. And our, our issue ends with uh, Arkham Knight boot. Um, Bruce's face. Bum, bum, bum. So, I, <laughs> I, I didn't think I would be as excited going into this as I was after I read it. It's, <laughs> Detective has officially taken over as my favorite Batman story. Um, and that includes Tom King's writing. This, I know. Arkham Knight, I don't know dick about him, but I can tell that this is, this is a big deal. And I, if there's ever a time to jump on Detective Comics, by the way, I got a, we get our first glimpse of that new pretty logo too. So, <laughs> I, it might be kind of confusing because now it says Batman Detective Comics, so it seems like it's more of a, I don't know. In fact, it, it reminds me of like uh, the Batman '66 logo. That's what it reminds me of, the old Adam West. Dig it. Carrying on, more Batman. Batman Who Laughs, number four, Scott Snyder, Jock, and David Barron, cover by Jock. Oh, man. <laughs> so, the last issue, number three, left off with Bruce in the Batcave making himself, or pretty much infecting himself, turning into the Batman Who Laughs. And you see him with the, the, visor, the spiky visor over his head, and that's where it le leaves off. Well, here we are, carrying on. And this is picks up right where it leaves off. And, <laughs> well, I, I guess the first page is 
Batman talking about Dick Grayson and Robin. So you get a little bit of sentimentalist going on there, kind of relating to something else down the road. But then we go right back to the Batcave, and Alfred is horrified when Bruce turns around and sees the, the spiky face. So he rips the visor off his head, then you get, like, the red, crazy Joker eyes. And <laughs> Alfred's like, no, you're, you're going way too far here. And Bruce explains what the visor's all about. And this is actually a very, very big reveal, because it... I, I I haven't caught this yet, but the, that visor is more than just something to make Batman Who Laughs look incredibly fucking scary, it, or, or a rip-off Judge Dress. <laughs> it's actually made out of dark metal. So, by him looking into this dark metal, he's able to... Um, he's able to see... They don't really completely specify the broadness of what he's able to see, but at the very minimum, he's able to see, like, the, the portals opening up where the, the other, these other um, dimensional Bruces are coming from. So we've already got the Grim Knight in reality now. That's fucking bad. We don't need any of the other bad Batmans that, from the, the Metal story coming about. And that's pretty much what Bruce is doing. This is his contingency plan. I'm going to finally try to be a step ahead of the Batman who laughs by becoming him, seeing shit through his eyes. Well... <laughs> Uh, he's having a hard time controlling it, and you could tell that, actually, in the, the, the lettering. The way the, the, the dialogue is written, that's fucking awesome, because it'll be like regular talk bubbles, and then a word will, like, dissipate into the, the, the red text they use for the Batman who laughs to kind of show that he doesn't have complete control over whatever he's doing. This is still a highly experimental thing. And then we go back over to the actual Batman who laughs. And if you read The Grim Knight, we know that The Grim Knight has beef with Gordon, and at the end of all that, Batman Who Laughs uh, stops The Grim Knight from killing this world's Gordon, because Grim Knight has better plans for Gordon. Um, not just bigger than that, he's actually kind of grateful, because without Gordon and Batman Who Laughs world, that Joker would have never been killed, that, that Gordon would have never killed that Joker, allowing the Batman Who Laughs to actually be born. And that's a whole, like, <laughs> thing. But the fact is, is that Batman Who Laughs is very grateful for Commissioner Gordon's existence. So, then we go back to Batman racing through Gotham with the, the dark metal visor on his eyes. And he's trying to find these portals. And he's getting taken from place to place. And all of the, the weird shit's going on. And then he's making contact with Gordon's son, uh, James... Is it Jim? James? And remember, he's the the guy that he's responsible for all of the underwater or um, sewage and all of that stuff, the water piping underneath Gotham. Because Batman Who Last Plan is to release his serum, toxin, whatever you want to call it, into the water system. And Batman has commissioned uh, Jim to James, my bad, to figure out who it could possibly, or which waterway it could possibly be to do so. Batman gets led into one, he's testing the water, and then behind him pops the Joker. And, well, if, if you remember, I think in issue three, it starts out where the, we, the Joker was thought to be dead, and then uh, Alfred looks up and he be gone. Well, here he is. <laughs> and then we get an actual team-up. 
Batman's like, so, you know, whatever. It's all done in a very quick way, but pretty much what it comes down to, after a couple of punches thrown naturally between the two, Joker's like, check it out. I'm not here to make sure you lose. I'm I'm here to make sure that we both lose. And so he's Batman's like, well, I'm about to become the the Batman who laughs in order to. Or I'm slowly transitioning to be able to stay ahead of him. And but at the same time, but if I turn it in, into him, what are you going to do? Now you got to keep in mind the Joker's hatred for the Batman who laughs. And he's pretty much like, well, I'm going to shoot you in the fucking head. I need you to turn into the Batman who laughs. But at the same time, when you do, I'm going to shoot you in the fucking head. But we all win. And (laughs) this is, oh, it takes me back to the killing joke here. Because the Batman looks at him and goes, cross your heart. (laughs) And Joker, he, he crosses his heart and says, hope you die. And the two, then we get this moment where they're both on their knees laughing, just like at the end of the killing joke. And it says it was the scariest sound, the laughter. And then it carries on back to Batman making his way through a uh, a prison. Which prison is it? A a Blackgate. And because he gets another signal that there could be a bruise popping up here. And sure enough, he looks through the, the metal. And there is a Bruce there. It's an older Bruce, and this this dimension's Bruce is, runs this prison. And eventually, uh, Bruce has he ha- he has his the older Bruce, and then you see the blip again, and he comes back to our dimension. And then we get a bunch of guards coming in and attacking, and then we realize that one of these guards. Oh man! Uh, see, I'm not. This is this is Snydery stuff here, so I'm not totally sure if I got this right. But while well, Bruce is communicating with one of these guards, and I think he kind of has a feeling that, that something's up, and then it turns out one of these guards is he has a uh, some sort of identity mask, digital some digital mask is what I think they call it. So he's disguising himself. And it's it's the Batman who laughs there, at least seemingly with the way they take it all off. It's it's a fucking weird, obscure ending, but it's still exciting, as confusing as it all is. But between all of that, we also get a glimpse of. Um, so I'm see, I'm assuming this is some sort of flashback, but the Batman who laughs lets Gordon go, and he's like, oh yeah, no, go on, fucking, I'm gonna do some hunting, and I'm gonna release my hounds. I'll give you a head start. And then you see all the little crazy evil Robins, like the Batman who left has. And you just see him, like, crunching and tearing into to Gordon. So that's it's a fucking pretty crazy ending, man. It's super crazy. There's a whole... Oh, I don't know how to explain it. You just gotta read it for yourself. It's Like I said, it's Snyder work. And for as crazy as Snyder's writing can be, and obscure and dense and all of that, I'd say the majority of this is pretty smooth reading. It's just that ending. But I think it's all just to, to carry the intrigue to make you want to read the next issue. Which I sure should do. There's only two more issues left in this six miniseries, so yeah. Moving along, more Batman. DC decided this was the week of Batman. Number 68, Nightmares Part 6. 
Solitude, Tom King, Amanda Connor, Dan Penosian, John Timms, Mikhail Janine, Paul Mounts, and Jordi Belair. Amanda Connor and Paul Mounts did the cover. Oh, man. So, more of the nightmares thing. This is actually a really quick go through here. Catwoman and. Uh, what was it? Harley? Oh, my bad. Catwoman and Lois. They're drunk as shit. It's a bachelorette party before the wedding. And Lois has this idea that they should party in the Fortress of Solitude. So, they go to the Fortress of Solitude to party. And you're getting a whole lot of that. And meanwhile, bachelor party, bro. Clark and Bruce having a sit-down dinner. Wayne Manor. Woo. <laughs> They're really doing it. Oh, and then, meanwhile, the girls go back. It flashes back over to the Fortress of Solitude. My, see, sense of my enthusiasm here, guys. Tom King needs to pick this story the fuck up now. So, we get them trying to get drunk in the Fortress of Solitude. They find the, the barkeep, if you will. And being it's dry there, they, I don't, I don't understand it. There's, you're not supposed to have alcohol at the Fortress of Solitude, but they have a bartender. And then they're like, no, we don't have beer. And then it comes down to, but we have this, like, wine cellar. And then it shows, we get, like, four, eight, twelve, twelve different fucking spirits that they're trying from different dimensions. And, like, just a couple examples. We got a sang de oh, I picked the wrong words to pronounce there. <laughs> the Living Riesling. Mogo. Aged. 293 years, and then you just get a, so you, you're getting a weird thing from a planet from a long time ago, and he does that 12 times, and then I get a Chateau Cheval Blanc, Earth, aged 71 years, the rapturous tears of gods, Tamarin, aged 222 years, he took a whole fucking page to do that, moving on, they're drunk, naturally, they fucked up, laying, spinning, giggling, like, little girls, uh, and then back to the party, Bruce showing paintings, what the fuck is going on here, man, I don't understand the symbolism of in, in any of this at all, there's got to be some sort of symbolism to this, get, seriously, readers can explain something to me, like, get on Twitter, fucking, what am I missing here, what is going on, I'm, this, this, this six issues is, I'm just, the only thing I could think of is that my I was right the whole time. The wedding wasn't going to happen in 50. He was going to wait till issue 100 to do it. And as we get closer to that issue 100, we're getting more and more hints that this wedding will actually happen. And this has all been a fuck, a mind fuck the whole fucking time between issue 50 to whatever comes out to be. That's just this is uh, this is all I could think of at this point. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the nightmares went on for the next 22 issues at this point, knowing Tom King. And it's, it's, it's so disappointing to say, because I'm a major Tom King fan. Like, I, I know what he's capable of. I just don't understand what the fuck he's getting across here. So, please, fill me in. Because the, the, the fuckery just continues to go on and on. The guys, the guys are watching a fucking football game. The girls are getting naked in a pool. They're trying on Superman's clothes. 
And they're like, oh, let's, let's go, guys. I got Jimmy Olsen's pager right here. We'll get the guys here, or we can go home. And they hit Jimmy Olsen's pager, and Superman's like, oh, Lois is in trouble, or Jimmy's in trouble. Oh, he's at the Fortress of Solitude. And then they show up, and then the couples are like, I love you. And that's where it ends. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I don't know what to say, guys. Please, explain this to me. This has got to be fucking coming to an end by now. Like, six issues of this shit? The first Nightmares thing was good. I, I don't understand. It's not because it's bad. Like, I, I, I get... Like, it's a very... There's 32 fucking artists in here all flexing. <laughs> there's, that's an exaggeration. There's a bunch of artists in here. I don't understand the patterns here, man. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. You really did finally get broken last week. I, I... Man, it's it's... I just wish Tom King would explain. Get on fucking Twitter and, and just give me a fucking hint. I follow you. Give me a hint as to what the fuck is going on, man. Please, somebody, somebody that's a fan of this, please explain why I should like this because I don't get it. I'm gonna, I'm done with DC this week. I'm gonna end on that note. I'm gonna move to Image. All right, my first book this week from Image Comics. Uh, I've only got two indie books this week, so. Yeah, uh, Outer Darkness. Been following this one from the beginning. So we're now at issue number six. John Lehman and Afu Chan. Our last issue left off with kind of the team splitting up. Sado Shin's like, oh no, I'm gonna fucking go do this and be shysty this way. And uh, Briggs is like, oh, we're gonna go do this and like fuck some shit up this way. And that's what's happening. Um, Sado Shin. He, he's, he's got this weird relationship where none of us really know what the fuck's happening. What it comes down to is I need to find Satalis. Satalis, he bad. And that's what he's doing. He's ripping up uh, the, the, the half of the crew that's not with Briggs. So the other separated team. He's just literally ripping them in half. Like licking their spines all up and down. And it's kind of disturbing. Like showering in their head blood. Just bathing in head blood. I dig it, I dig it, but then Sato Shin, he shows up, and you, they, you feel like they're kind of getting this, this, um, kind of relationship between the two of them, like, oh, we may work together, but I don't really totally agree with everything about you, flash over to Briggs and his team, and then they're getting attacked by this giant fucking alien creature, and he's fucking shit up, eventually they subdue the alien creature, uh, meet back up with Sato Shin. Everyone's all skeptical because Sato Shin shows up with uh, uh, Satalis and Chains. And no one's real like confident about any of that. They're like, I don't know if I should trust this guy. Especially since the fact that Sato Shin's died, what, like seven times? And has very, very, very easily made his way back to the the ship every single time. Which, there's got to be a whole, there's like a whole process in this world, how that works. you got to have like a guarantee on you and all that shit. If you don't have a guarantee, then you're not out to get rescued. And at that point, if you're getting rescued, it's by pure randomness and the abyss of the universe and the fact that he's been lucky seven times. There's something up with this motherfucker. Um, As he turns Satalis in... uh, to the the crew, they have him imprisoned, seemingly, 
But then Sado Shin makes his way up to him, and he has the ability to control him, and he injects him with something, and now he's like, so we're gonna, we're gonna go kill Riggs, though. Or Briggs, we're gonna go kill him. And that's how the book ends. So, yeah, as, as I kind of predicted the whole time, he was going to use Sado Shin, or Sado Shin was going to use uh, Satalis against them all, but yeah, no, it's... I, I like the way the story is going. I, I, I'm still, I'm still intrigued. Um, the, the, the two main characters. Well, I mean, there's, a, there's several main characters, but uh, Captain Riggs and uh, I forget the, his, his buddy's name. But yeah, no, they're. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know what to say about this book really, other than I'm still reading it. It's, it's probably not the, the strongest issue. I think is what I'm trying to say out of the series. But moving along. Image Comics, again, Murder Falcon, number seven, Daniel Warren Johnson and Mike Spicer. This <laughs> was still very Murder Falcony. Last issue left off with Jake pretty fucked up, guitar totally fucked up, guitar's fucked up, that means Murph's totally fucked up. They roll up and we got this orchestra bitch. Uh, what's his name, Taka, and he's there to the rescue. Well, they're all on his ship now. Murph and Jake are struggling. Uh, they roll up into the city. And eventually, like, Murph, uh, Jake, he's, he's in and out. He's alive, he's dead, he's alive, he's dead. Well, one of his uh, dead moments, he's he, he realizes that Magnum Chaos implanted something in him to the point where he's able to, like, instill these... get into his head, essentially. And he puts Jake into this... This dream sequence, and it's really, really getting into him. Eventually, he pulls through, and meanwhile, uh, the the rest of the band is they're they're out to try to fix Jake's guitar, and they're also greeted by what are the General Stapleton and Katori Ito. General Stapleton, he's uh, well, he, he's kind of the ambassador of the. The, the, what is it, Okinawa? Yeah, the Okinawa base, that's what it is. And Katori Ito, she's the head of the TMDF, or the Tokyo Musical Defense Force. That's pretty fucking cool. So, she's essentially uh, Taka's boss, is how I'd put it. Since Taka is, um, he, he's, he's a, He's a badass with his violin and all that shit. Like, they're, they're, uh, Okinawa's defense force. Like, you know, Jake's Bruticus is a metal band. These guys are just classical music. But goddamn, do they rock, and we'll see that later. So, but, uh, what's her name? Uh, Ito? Ito's granddaddy, he fixes shit. You know, uh, instruments. So they take Jake's broken guitar to, uh, this, this guy to fix it. And they do fix it. Murph comes back to life at the same time. Jake hops to out of his Magnum Chaos death sequence just in time to go fight some shit. And also in a perfect stitch of timing comes the rest of Taka's orchestra. And they're rolling in on fucking... We got drum sets on tanks and fucking keyboards on goddamn... Mm, mm. It's like uh, um, Fury Road and they all have like badass... Uh, instruments playing from them. <laughs> it's, it's just a cool fucking scene. And together they take down this massive beast that Magnum Chaos has summoned upon this town, and 
uh, we get this this really uh, every issue seems to have it's all it's total metal all the way through, but we always get like this touching oh shit deep moment. And in this one, you realize that Jake's flowing locks like he's like he gets up out of his wheelchair because he's still pretty fucked up. He gets up out of his wheelchair and he's like, you know, I'm gonna be the real me. He grabs his hair and he rips it off because he's still got cancer head apparently. He's all bald. And he just starts fucking thrashing on the guitar, and Murder Falcon goes and does his thing, and it's just so Murder Falcony. And the the band prevails as they look over this gutted corpse of just gooeyness and dead monster all over the place. And then Jake sits back in his wheelchair with his bald head. And I think that's my be how we're seeing Jake from now on. But it, it's just still. Still, my favorite book in all of comics that's ever been written, ever, as far as the series goes. It continues to be that amazing. Kind of bummed that Mike Spicer and Daniel Warren Johnson aren't coming to Denver Comic Con this year, but it is what it is. That's all i got to talk about for Indies this week. It was a light week. But, lots of Marvel to talk about. Lots of fucking Marvel to talk about. Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man. Number 5, or 29 Legacy Numbering. Not Running is the title of this story. Tom Taylor, Yuldre Sinar, and Nolan Woodard. Covered by Andrew C. Robinson. So, um, Peter's pretty much having... A, what it comes down to is Peter's having a hard time dealing with the news that... Mary, uh, not Mary Jane. Um, Aunt May. She's got the cancer. And he just kind of... He's like, you know what, I don't know if I want to accept that. I'm just going to run through town and, you know, be friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Save some days and whatnot. And in doing so, he one person in particular whose day he saves is this this kid. Um, he was stealing a car. And uh, the way it all works out is Spider-Man kind of takes... He has a little bit of empathy for him, for his situation. And then he kind of... Spider-Man's like, get in the car. The kid, and he's like, what? Well, Spider-Man gets in the stolen car, and they're, like, driving along to whatever they have to do based off of this kid's story. And, um, but in doing so, Spider-Man grabs his wrist because he's still very, very frustrated with uh, Aunt May's situation. He doesn't know how to deal with it still, so he's, he's got a lot of pent-up shit going on. When he goes to grab the kid's wrist to be, like, get in the car, he grabs too hard, and he fucking breaks it. And he's like, oh, well, before we do anything else, like, I know a doctor that could fix this. We can't exactly take you to a hospital. So he goes to, uh, old 177A Bleecker Street, sees, uh, the Doctor Strange. And Doctor Strange is like, oh, yeah, I could fix a wrist. And Spidey's like, but, like, how cool are you with, like, fixing cancer or whatever? And he's like, can't do that. And Spider-Man's like, damn. And he's like, oh, I guess I'll just go hang out with Aunt May then. <laughs> so what it comes down to is this is a very, like, you got to deal with it type of shit. I like the way it was told. Like, I, that's, Tom Taylor did a much better job telling the story than I did, I promise. Like, he, he did it in a very touching way. I, I didn't do it any justice. I probably made it sound bad. In fact, it was a, it was a great story. I like how he was just like, you know what, I guess... I guess I just got to deal with this, man. He, you know, it's, he, he was in denial. He fucking 
accidentally hurt this kid, and, like, you realize that was kind of, like, the first moment, he was like, maybe I should take it easy and not be such, you know, fucking, I gotta figure some shit out. And then once he gets the realization that, you know, he's, magic can't even fix the situation, he's gotta deal with it. So he goes to the, and sits with, uh, he shows up to Aunt May's first, um, chemo treatment. And then you get this whole, like, gives her a bunch of crappy magazines and shit. Oh, Peter, you made it. And that's how it ends. It was great. Loved it. Tom Taylor knows how to fucking... I didn't think I liked The Friendly Neighborhood. It's still still getting me. More Spider-Man, though. Amazing Spider-Man number 19, Legacy 820. More of the 100 story. Part 3, to be exact. Nick Spencer, Gerardo Sandoval, Edgar Delgado, and Eric Arcianega. Cover by Umberto Ramos and Edgar Delgado. So, uh, it starts out with Black Cat and Billy locked up. And she's still trying to figure out how the hell to get out of here. So it's kind of alluding to something there. Cut over to Craven and Little Craven, or Craven's son. And Craven's son is kind of having this, he's pissed off at his daddy. He's like, dude, why are you having all these rich son-of-a-bitches that you don't even like? Like, you actually, you'd be cool if they were all dead. And you're going to let them hunt all of these guys? Like, we should be out father-son hunting these motherfuckers, especially Spider-Man. You're going to let someone else try to take that from us? And you, so you're kind of feeling some tension there, some some headbutting. And then we go over to the actual uh, the, the Thunderdome, where everyone's being chased by the, the cyborg cravens and all that shit. And Black or Spider-Man's still in black suit for whatever reason, and we're pretty much just kind of uh, Vulture. From here, Vulture pretty much takes over the story. Vulture is there to, I'm like, oh, you know, I don't really like you, Spider-Man, but I feel like we're we team up. Blah 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 blah. Uh, you're just getting a whole lot of Vulture, and then he tells the story of uh, what happened to. Uh, oh shit, what's his name? Well, we had. Issue number 18.HU, or The Given, that was it. We had The Given story, mini story. I didn't really discuss it because it was so just whatever. Well, we touch on that a whole lot more. And then Vulture's using that story as kind of a, a leverage for the rest of all of these people being hunted to kind of, oh, let's rally around it. And then just as you think everyone's being cool, Rhino jumps in and he's like, fuck you, Spider-Man. I still got problems with you. And then Vulture steps in again and he's like, no, you don't. And then we go back to Black Cat. And she's fucking with this guard. The guard's like, you looked at me a lot. And she's like, I have looked at you a lot. And I'm like, what the fuck is that supposed to mean? And then you realize that she's, she's inducing bad luck on him. And she's explaining, like, what type of bad luck this guy could have. Like, anything can happen, you know? Like, you can go to shoot me right now, and the gun can backfire on you, or... Yeah. Or that, that cage behind you with that snow leopard could open, and then that cage behind him with that snow leopard opens, and it mauls the shit out of him. And then that's her and Billy's way out. So they don't need to spite a man to save him. Then we come back over to Arcade, and we got Taskmaster meeting him up in the sewers. And... You see Taskmaster's dragging this chain behind them, and we got these, these glowing eyes behind them, and you realize there's still another big old beast creature that needs to be subdued. We got the lizard looking probably the best the, litter, the lizard has ever looked. That is the coolest drawing of the lizard ever. 
So the hunted continues. Uh, I once I think this issue boosted back up. The issue two was kind of dipped a little bit. We're but right, we're right back. I like the fact that they focused on Vulture a whole lot. You know, it's I didn't do any justice as far as the dialogue that he goes, but it was very Vulture-y dialogue for sure. Carrying on, X23 number eleven, Dear Gabby Part One. Mariko Tamaki, Diego Arlategue, Walden Wong, and Chris O'Halloran. Covered by Ashley Wooder again. So I think she's had all 11 covers now, and all of them have been stunning. Uh, so this is actually a pretty simple issue to go through. Um, this is the aftermath of uh, old Tuwax, or Scout, as we could probably call her now. Uh, all the, the Cyborg clones is what it comes down to. They all blow it up. And Laura and Gabby are, they still have very different thoughts about it. Laura's more like, life goes on. Gabby's like, that bitch could have been cool. And, yeah, so they're off doing a little mission, and during that mission, there's a whole lot of disagreement. And then by the time they get back from that mission, um, Gabby's like, you know what? Fuck you. Fuck the way you do things. I'm out. And this is pretty much the separation of Laura and Gabby. Like, Gabby packs her shit, and Jonathan, and she gets the fuck out. And Laura, through the whole time, she's narrating her her loneliness, you know, and then you realize what the loneliness is from now. So, yeah, which you kind of had an idea to begin with, but nevertheless, it's kind of a sad one. Like, this one didn't really have any of the fun moments that um, usually are thrown in the X-23 story. There was one, I will say, though, um, during their little mission, uh, some guards approach, and Laura, or Gabby goes to swipe at him, and he, like, dodges real quick, and then just the way the paneling goes, you, you, you gotta look real close to figure out what the fuck happened, because there's no dialogue at all, and then you realize that, like, part of the, uh, uh, the, the front half of the armor of the guard just, like, completely slipped clean off, so he's standing there all bare-chested or whatever, and they got, like, a look of awkwardness between them, but other than that little comedic moment, like, this wasn't and I'm not saying it's a bad thing that it wasn't loaded with the comedy that this book usually has. It really shows the weight of, oh shit, maybe these two are splitting up. And there'll probably be two or three issues where these guys are off doing their own fucking thing. Laura's going to be sad. Gabby's going to be discovering that she probably still does need an older figure. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. But I have faith in Mariko Tamaki. Totally took over Tom Taylor's character. Killing it. Killing it hard. More Clawed Mutants, Dead Man Logan number six. This, this is a big issue. Um, I didn't think the happenings of this issue would happen. I mean, we're only halfway through, and I didn't, I'll, I'll get some more of that later. Edverson, Mike Henderson, and Nolan Woodard, covered by D. Clan Shavi. So, uh, at this point, we got the, the Mysterio thing, that's all resolved. Uh, Sin and, uh, all of that shit, that's all been resolved. Logan's sitting on the dock of the bay with Steve Rogers, and he's pretty much saying, my bad, didn't mean to try to kill y'all, and Steve Rogers is like, nah, we cool. And Logan's like, alright, well, I, you know, I gotta make sure I get all this shit off my chest, because this is gonna be the last time I ever see him again. And you're like, oh shit, say a word? Like, nah, you still got six issues to see this motherfucker. Do we? And then essentially, this is what we're getting for the rest of the, the this book, is uh, Logan's going through and kind of saying good, his last goodbyes to a few people. Just a few. But he goes to, uh, 
um, what is it, uh, Mariko Yoshida. He goes to visit her house, and, you know, he's, like, in the, the shadows as she gets home, and um, you get this whole awkward moment, like, oh, we were supposed to be married, like, with his ex-fiance, and he's, uh, he, he, has, he has to explain to her, like, so I, I get married way in the future, like, we never actually got married, but in the future, I do get married, and he shows him, a, it's kind of creepy, he shows him a picture of this kid, he's like, this is her now. But in 50 years, like, obviously, she's not going to be a kid. I got all this loot stashed away. I need you to make sure that she's taken care of. Would you, like, um, make sure my future wife is take care of, taken care of, uh, past never-happened wife? <laughs> and that's, she's like, yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> and looking, so he's, he feels a little bit more at, at ease. Then he goes over to the Ivanhoe pub to, to meet up with a few others before he carries on his way. And uh, on his way, though, as he's leaving Mariko's house, like, he sniffs the air. And he's like, well, don't you just show your face, man, so you know someone's tracking him. And the, like, it never dawned on me who could possibly be tracking him. And then when he gets to the pub, he's waiting for this person to catch up. And I'll be damned if this is not the first time we get to see Wolverine and old man Logan confront each other. And... Fucking, it's, they are in the same universe now, and I'll be damned if they don't sit and have a beer, and even a little bar brawl, like, fight breaks out in the bar, and they're like, should we fucking, you know, fucking kick some ass together for a minute, and you get that cool fucking panel where they, I don't think they need the sneaks, because they could whoop all these guys' ass pretty easily, <laughs> without the, the claws, but, yeah, no, I fucking... They have their little fun, but now they're they're in the the w Logan is on his final mission now. He goes over to Forge's lab, and at this point he's he knows this is his way back to the wastelands. It's time to go home. But not uh, but while they're there, there's a few other familiar faces like we got Glob and Hawkeye and Jubilee. They're all at Forge's lab as well, just kind of wanting to say their goodbyes. And we also even get a, a glimpse of Maestro. Maestro's head's there, and in the very first issue of this maxi-series, uh, you, you see the recovery of Maestro's body, or headless body, and so here we have the head, and Forge is explaining, he's like, so Forge isn't, or Maestro's not dead, he is regenerating, I just have the ability to slow it down, so we gotta, we gotta fucking make sure this doesn't happen, like, time's, time's against us. And I, I, I'm, I'm not, I think that's, that's just a reference to something. I don't think it has anything to do with this particular issue here, other than, like, pay attention. This is probably going to come into play later on. And goddamn, I hope it does. You get a hug between Hawkeye and fucking Logan. I think that's pretty cool. And then Glob's like, I don't want you to go. And he's like, you're a good Glob, dude. And he steps through the portal. And he's back on the wastelands. So the next six issues seems like it's, going to take place on the wastelands. He's going to die in the wastelands. I thought he would die on Earth. I was very, very wrong. I love being wrong about comics. I hate predictability. So, uh, yeah, no, fucking digging this book. I thought it would fall off, to be honest, and it just keeps, keeps bringing me in because unexpected shit keeps happening. Fucking digging it. Next book, 
I'm going to start talking about the old War of the Realms tie-ins. And this is the first week where we get to see an abundance of them. Three of them. I get to read Unbeatable Squirrel Girl for the first time ever. I've always been a, f- uh, a fan of Squirrel Girl without ever reading her. I always like her cameo appearances. Never actually read her book. Uh, and the reason I haven't started yet is because the the art just doesn't really appeal to me. But... I promised that I was going to read every single tie-in involved, and I'm glad that this pushed me into reading Unbeatable Score Girl. So it starts out, we got Doreen and a few of her friends, Brian, Ken, and Mary, and Thomas, and they're in the negative zone. They're just going to hang out in the negative zone, uh, but for a good reason. They're going to see Aileen. Aileen is like another version of Squirrel Girl. Um... I think it's a better version, to be honest, but whatever. So, she's there introducing her friends for the first time, or most of her friends, except for Mary. Mary, she knows people. I don't know, I haven't been reading Squirrel Girl. That means something, though, carrying on, because as she's talking to uh, Aileen, she starts to, I don't feel so good, Mr. Stark. She's not dusting away, but she's, she's fading. And she fades right into the battle of New York. And we got all of the bullshit happening. We see Spider-Man and Black Panther and uh, Logan and all of them. Just Captain Marvel, they're fucking shit up. This is the, the War of the Realms happening. And there she is, and she gets transported right there, and then Loki pops out. So, right there, that tells you that this takes place before issue number one of War of the Realms. Because if you've been reading, he did... Loki did. He got eight, son. So, I will I will put out a proper how-to-read timeline as this series progresses, because they are not going to tell this story in order, as I assumed. So, I'll be your guy for that. Start with this issue. So, uh, Loki's there telling Squirrel Girl, he's like, dog, your costume sucks. How are you going to fight some shit looking like that? And she was like, bitch, this ain't my costume. This is my regular clothes. And then, <laughs> really what we're getting out of here is Loki's like, alright, check it. Malekith's fucking shit up. He's already got a plan to divide up uh, the, the, the world amongst all of the bad son of a bitches. Like, North America is going to be the land of the frost giants, and South America is going to get the kingdom of the dead, and Africa is going to get the land of the angels, and Europe's going to get the land of the dark elves, and Asia gets the land of fire, Australia gets the, the kingdom of the trolls. And Antarctica gets the kingdom of Roxxon Incorporated. So, uh, fact is, is that Loki needs Doreen to go to Canada, because that is where the base of the Frost Giants is. And he's relying on Doreen to beat them, to be the one to defeat the Frost Giants. I mean, she has defeated Thanos single-handedly, so why the hell not, right? And she's like, alright, cool, just like, take me back, like, to the negative zone, and let's grab my friends first, and then we could go back, and he was like, what, what the fuck's the negative zone? She's like, wait, you didn't bring me here? He's like, no, no, what? So we get this moment of confusion, and then he's like, well, that's beyond the point. The fact is, is that I am not going to allow anything bad to happen to Mary, so Loki's got a crush. So that's what's going on there. 
Um, Mary being one of her friends in the negative zone, like I said. She she means something to this to the unbeatable school girl that I, I'm not aware of. She goes to Canada. Um, that's where her parents are. And she even has a moment. She's like, Loki, I can't like tell you um, where my parents live in Canada because then you'll like know who I am. And he's, well, you know, I don't give a shit. I don't, I don't care who the fuck you are. Just go. Go to Canada and beat these fucking frost giants. Just tell me where you need to go, and I'll take you there. So she does show up, and she sees these frost giants, and uh, they, they have a very juvenile-like dialogue. Keep in mind that this... I have a feeling that this book is, is more rated for children's, based off of the art style and the way the story is told. It's just it's bubblegum. But at the same time, it's very interesting, um, particularly this story. So, in order for Doreen to, uh, what she does to handle these two uh, frost giants that she encounters, she doesn't do anything, actually. We get, um, hmm, Ultron, or Oak Tree Ultron? Out of first appearance? I don't know. Oak Tree Ultron shows up, and she's like, I'll fucking take her, or he, it. I don't know what the proper nomenclature is, dude. She Well, she just feels that that's enough. She's like, all right, I'm going to go home now. And she's like, hey, Mom, Dad. Um, ah, Mom. And eventually Mom's like, oh, look at the closet. I got something for you. Well, this is probably the coolest part of the story. Is Squirrel Girl gets a new costume. And uh, it's, it's pretty dope. I'm not going to lie. Because though apparently that's all she needs to go save Earth. So now she's uh, fucking jumping around, fighting frost giants, and it's not going so well. Uh, she's <laughs> she she gets her ass whooped for a little while, and while she's getting her ass whooped, if that's not enough, we see a red red tusker, whatever the fuck that is. Apparently, well, I can tell you what it is. I just don't know how to say it. <laughs> it's the Asgardian god of gossip, or a shape shifting squirrel. So naturally. Uh, Squirrel Girl's gonna fight a Asgardian God Squirrel. Fucking love it. <laughs> like, it's, like I said, it's told in a very bubblegum way, but at the same time, like, the story itself, the meat of the story is still very interesting. Um, comedy all the way through. Like, they never they never miss an opportunity to try, them, to try to make the reader laugh. That's for damn sure. I like the way the trolls talk. They're not all big and dumb. They're just like, dude, the trash talk down in Asgard, or in Midgard is... Fucking lame. <laughs> they're, they're just, they they see it how they see it. They're just talking like a couple of bros, just bigger and bluer than you and me. So uh, that is probably uh, as the order goes so far in the War of the Realms. Start with this issue because as um, Squirrel Girl gets beamed away to Canada, we flash over to Loki looking up and seeing his Faja, who and Issue one of War of the Realms eats him. So yeah, that's <laughs> this is th- the last time you see Loki is the not far from the last time he alive. The next part of the the tie-in series this week for War of the Realms goes to As Guardians of the Galaxy number eight. Colin Bond, Matteo Loli, Federico Blee, covered by Gerardo Sandoval and Antonio Fabella. So we get our Asgardians, they on what's left of Asgard, and they're like, check it, we got this, the, the Naglafar beacon, right, 
Uzeral, and he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, it's back on the ship, it's cool, no one's fucking with that shit, and then they turn around and you see Heimdall, and he's like, um, so that, that, that trap that you tried to set for the, that beacon, it ain't shit. Meanwhile, check it out. I got a piece of the rainbow bridge, and I got the. They just, I think they just call it like the magic horn or something. Apparently, that's something cool. But the fact is, Heimdall's there, and uh, he, he's explaining. He's like, check it. Um, if I, I, I need all of the shards of the rainbow bridge, so that's what I'm out doing right now. And you just so happen to be here. Don't have enough, and I need all that. To be able to get the army, or, or, or you know, nah, there's, there's not enough track. But I do have enough power to get you guys down to some shit that's going down. So, chickity check it. And then he transfers them to Zabato of the fucking Manhattan. And you see, once again, you've got Spider-Man, but then you've also got Scourge. And we get some really cool fucking team-ups here, is what's happening. <sighs> some really cool shit. Um, Captain America and Thunderstrike team up, then you see Throg and Spider-Man for a second, but Throg gets this thing where he, like, he gets this sense, and he's like, all of the frogs in Central Park, I feel like they'd be fucked right now, and I gotta go help my people, and I'm feeling super unworthy, but that ain't gonna stop me from holding this hammer, I just ain't gonna be in this battle anymore, peace, and he's out. That sucks, but then we get this moment where, um, fucking Scourge and, who is it, Punisher, I think, team up? And that's, oh yeah, yeah, no, Scourge and Punisher, like, Scourge is swinging his axe, and Punisher's like, you swing an axe pretty good, he's like, can you use a gun? And Scourge is like, I bet I could use a gun, and then you just see him back to back, just shooting shit up, that's such a cool fucking panel, made me happy. But then you also get a little bit of back and forth between some Asgardians. There's some bickering with some some sisters and whatnot, and that's all fine and dandy. But oh, man, there's there's so much happening here. It's just it's it's fun because you see Asgardians down on Earth, fucking clueless. They're just like, oh, we're swinging now. All right, and then fucking it just so happens they're swinging next to Captain America and Iron Man and Spider Man. It's this is so fun. This is so fun. Um, and then we get uh, a moment where old Annabelle, she she sees her her beloved uh, what's her face, uh, Ren. And she's fucking shit up. She's down there in battle. Ren's she's throwing ribbons, fucking shit up. I don't know who Ren is. Fact is, Annabelle likes her quite a bit. There, and then you see this moment where she's like, you know, sometimes I just get lucky and you know, I find things that I love and I didn't think that this would happen. This worked out great. And then she transfers away and she's like, and then sometimes just like shit fucks with me. And then you see her standing, what I assume to be um, Asgard again. But it's like all built up. It's I, I don't know what to make of this. She just She's not in, on Midgard anymore because you, they, she, you see Midgard. And you see, like, Thunderstrike and Ren standing there, and uh, Annabelle's not there anymore. And she even, she's like, sometimes shit just fucks with my head. So I think we just got fucked with right there as well. A, a wonderful issue. I, I, I think that um, this book's going to tie in a lot more to this story than one issue. Like, same thing with Squirrel Girl. I think they're both going to tie in more than just be, like, a one-issue tie-in. I think several issues are going to all fall into it. I'm cool with that. 
Uh, last tie-in for War of the Realms of the Week is one that I was very, very intrigued by. Uh, this is a title that's been around forever that I've never got to read. Journey into Mystery, number one, or Legacy 656. This book was fun. We got the McElroys writing it. Don't know who they are. They just go by the McElroys. I'm going to do some research on that. Uh, Andre Lima Arujo and Chris O'Halloran on the artistic team, covered by Giuseppe Camincoli and Elia Bonetti. So it starts out, we're in like this RV type of situation, and we just got this random group of fucking characters. Like we got Miles Morales, Power Man's trying to strap in a, a, a baby carriage, uh, Kate Bishop's driving the, the thing. Uh, we got this. Uh, cyborg looking lady that we don't know I, I, I couldn't tell who it was until they explained it later on in the comic we got Thori hanging his head out the window antagonizing whatever's chasing him and then we've got uh, Balder uh, Thor's brother along with this other guy that kind of looks like Doctor Strange in the background and then we see, we get a flash that says four weeks ago in the Bronx and we've got Thor Lady Freya and Balder standing in this room and it's revealed that they got a baby sister. And at this point, the objective is to protect the baby sister. That's Balder's objective. Balder gets, through time, gets teamed up. And this is, for the most of the book here, it explains how all of this, this group in this RV all come together. And it's fucking amazing how it all... <laughs> and I, I could go through and explain it all, but it's... <laughs> It's worth reading in itself because every single encounter is it's ironic in a way. You realize that the the cyborg looking lady is actually a different version of Death Clock. She just calls herself, I think she calls herself Death Clock 2.0. Yeah, that's what she calls herself. And then the Doctor Strange character isn't um, Doctor Strange at all. It's Sebastian Druid who just he's got magical powers. And you get Power Man, and he's a pacifist now, so he's, uh, he's having a hard time. Like, he's like, oh, yeah, I'll join the team, but I ain't doing shit, though, unless you can make it, like, peeling carrots or something. So, yeah. Uh, and then they flash back to, like, after they reveal, like, how they all came together, then they're back in the RV, and you get this, this big old crash. And what causes this crash? Well, it seems to be the god Ares. He's down in this motherfucking battle, too. Ares looks dope. Um, yeah, this is, this is a great book. Uh, I have no idea what to expect with the journey into mystery. I didn't know what it was about. I just know it's, it's an old um, Stanley Jack Kirby creation. So I like that they brought back the name of the title for, uh, for War of the Realms. I think it's very fitting. Last overview book of the week is also Marvel. We got Avengers No Road Home, number 9 of 10, or Legacy 716, Ow Ewing, Jim Zub, and Mark Wade, along with Paco Medina and Jesus Abertov. I went with the cover B connecting covers of the three, so number 10 will finish that out. Uh, done by Mateo Scalero and Moreno Denicio. Denicio. So, you open the page and right off the bat... You're like, what the fuck? Because you got Blue Marvel leading a team involving America Chavez, uh, Wasp. So right there, you're like, cool. And then you see these other characters where we got uh, 
Um, Gomi, don't know who that is. I'm assuming that's the guy holding Bill the Lobster, because it's a green lobster. <laughs> He's a superhero. Don't know these people. If you guys know who they are, let me know. Do you know any of these people? You know who Bill the Lobster is? Nope. Cool. <laughs> it's we, the fact is we get this new team, and then that's it. Like they, they just cut away. So very very intriguing. So you know in issue ten some shit's about to go down. Then we go over to Planet Euphoria again. We've got all of the Avengers in one spot with Nyx. Um, Planet Euphoria is embodied by this this figure in itself. She's like, check it out. I am Planet Euphoria. I got that last shard that you need, Nyx. Why don't y'all tell me what you want? What are your desires? And I will decide who the shard goes to. So for the majority of this book, you get all of the characters individually saying what they desire. So you got Hercules, and he's like, I just want to be, you know, I'm not revered as a drunk again. And Spectrum's like, light, like I'm all about light. Um, Rocket has his moment, and Vision says something. And when Vision says something, Conan's like, or Vision says something about like being mortal or whatever. And then Conan steps up, and he doesn't necessarily, he's not necessarily asked what he wants, he just interrupts Vision's thing. He's like, you're a fucking fool, you stupid machine. Like, he's very confused as to what Vision is. Um, he's like, you're, you're a machine, more mortality, blah, ignorance, screaming, finger-wagging, in the very most Conan way. Totally dig it. And then she asks Nix, or she has a Hawkeye at one, or uh, Bruce Banner, and this is probably the coolest one, because when she's asking Bruce... She's like, tell me your desire. And in the smallest print possible, it's it's illegible. I can't, I, I doubt that it's even actual words that are printed. I need a mi- uh, magnifying glass. And then she's like, no, no, I will not, not uh, end your world. <laughs> so Bruce, he's still got a chip on his shoulder, man. He wants to fuck some shit up. And then she goes to Nick's, and Nick's like, you know what? Enough of this shit. I'm just going to take the shard. So... Eventually, and when she says that, all the Avengers are like, Trick! And they're like, oh, let's fuck up Nyx. And they're fucking up Nyx for a while. It starts with Hawkeye. <laughs> arrows through the eye. And then Wanda's like, ah. And Spectrum's like, brah. And Vision's like, hmm. And they all do their thing. And Rocket's like, oh, you know this canister that I've been carrying around for a while? Num, num, num. And Hawkeye's like, dog, my pin particles. And Rocket's like, dog, I'm super big now. And then you got <laughs> Rocket is large and in charge. And they they go attack some more, and he's stomping and stomping, and seems like they have nicks. And then finally she's like, you know what? Fuck this shit. She pretty much just reaches into Euphoria. She's like, my shard. I don't know what took her so long, but she did. She got now she's got all the shards. This is a problem. Um, and then as she's like, oh, fucking super powerful, and Euphoria is laying there dying. Voyage is like, but you didn't even ask me what I wanted. And she's like. Uh, well, okay, go ahead. And she was like, but I wanted to be an Avenger. And Euphoria's like, well, there's only one person that can make that cool. And I'm like, all right, well, cue Captain America. <laughs> and she's like, no, me. And she makes a glowy fish. She's like, Avengers Assemble! So, yeah, she does that. <laughs> Meanwhile, at this point, they're dimension hopping. Led by Voyager, you got all of the, the, the Avengers. They're pissed. 
They know that they are fucked because Nick's got all the shards. They're dimension hopping. Eventually, they realize that there's this door they got to go through, and as they're traveling through space and everything, the mortals are slowly fading away. And it gets down to the point where it's just Hercules and uh, Vision. And Hercules knows that the only way that to get he's not going to make it through that door himself, it's up to Vision and his machiny ways to uh, to de-densify himself. And he makes it through the door, and he's on his own to fight Nyx. Bum bum bum. That's where the story ends. This book was. <laughs> And the entire time, the uh, main narration, this time was done by Hercules, so it's kind of his, his redemption, whatever. But I just, I, I love how it was done. I, I love the, I still love that Conan is very out of place in this story, and he's very aware that he's out of place. So, yeah, no, it's, fucking dig it, man. Totally dig it. So that does it for the overview section of the week. Um, there was plenty more that was read, but I'll get to all that later in the honorable mentions. We're going to segue over to another segment now. We've got the creator submission. This is when random indie creators that are trying to, to get their stuff out there, they hit me up and they're like, hey, we review our book. So at this point, uh, this is not an overview as much as it is a fair review. This week, I'm featuring the music maker number one. S.K. Malvo and Andres Cazada Pena. Very, 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 very pleasantly surprised with this one. It is uh, anything that has to do with music. I'm automatically intrigued. As you know, my favorite book in the world is Murder Falcon. So when I saw the cover of this, I was like, oh shit, that art is dope. And that art is fucking consistent all the way through. It is very, very much like Derek Robertson. And, uh, uh, Transmetropolitan, yeah, yeah, for sure. And I had Mason read this book, too, because I kind of, I like that, when it comes to a review, I think it's fair to have different opinions on it, um, so, I had him read it, I haven't necessarily asked him how he felt about it yet, but I know that I felt really good about reading it. Um, essentially, it, it starts off with, uh, um, a page of characters with some mugshot, not mugshots, but um, glamour. I'm using the wrong word. Fa- pictures of their faces. <laughs> there we go. Introducing portraits. Portraits. There you go. Six main characters throughout the first issue. I believe we see three of them. Mason. Um, that's what I really count. I mean, you see, there might have been some that I missed. Um, but, ma- like, the ones that are mainly involved... Yeah, I think you see at we, least four. I we, think you at least see four of them, but you really only have uh, interactions with, like, two of them or three. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So it starts out, we got a character, she all locked up um, for a drug charge. She gets set up during this drug charge. Now, here's... I will actually want to disclose one thing. Um, because this is not an overview, and this book has not even released yet. It, it actually won't be released to anybody until the 11th of May. So I don't want to give anything away. I want to, uh, very, very little details, just, but no, nothing other than explaining what we enjoyed or did not enjoy about the book. Giving no plot away whatsoever, yeah. as far as spoilers so, or anything I mean, like as that. As far as actually the, staying away from the plot and really just getting on to what I liked and didn't like about the book. 
first thing I liked, the art style. The art style draws you in. It, it feels like a drug trip, almost. Like, it's just, it's 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 wacky, but it's it's also down to earth. It's it's very interesting. Well, kind, kind of like uh, Stedman. Who did like Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas yeah, type of yeah, yeah. Like it's very it's very much like Ralph Steadman, just not nearly as abstract. Definitely not nearly as abstract. Absolutely. Like everything still re- remains proportional throughout this book. I mean, it's, I it, it's it's a one issue, and as far as one issue, it's definitely got me to the point where I'd like to read issue two. However, I will say the only negative criticism I can bring out of this the, there's one negative criticism. And I don't even say that it's really negative, and that's that the writing feels like a person talking to themselves. It feels it, it, it feels like someone trying to simulate other characters, and trust me, you do a lot better than a lot of writers I've seen. You do well with it, but I still get this feeling of it's just you talking to yourself. See, and I'm okay with it, though. For the most part, I, I'm okay with it. Yeah, no, I, I actually, I, you know, I, I guess I didn't really notice that personally. You know, I, just, I, I very much dug the way the story was told. I, th- I found it to oh, be... Oh, no, the story is told fine. I'm talking about just like the, the dial- actual dialogue gotcha. feels like one person imitating other characters talking to themselves. Okay, no, I, okay, I guess Which I could kind of... Which is essentially what it is, but a good writer breaks you away from that feeling. Gotcha. All right. Well, I'll say one thing is, um, as I open this book, you know, it seems like it's going to be a, a black and white book. And all of a sudden we get, oh, I don't think we're in Kansas anymore. And we get this burst of color, but only partially. Like, it's like fading into the book slowly. Yeah. Only some things are... Don't want to get away why, but it's, it's, it's definitely a cool moment. It's, it's so dope. And then we get, uh, you, the, the color really expresses how rock and roll this book is about to be. I don't know what aspect uh, the, the, the rock and roll is going to be, but it's, it's going to be there, for sure. Uh, the, like, the, the, the body types of the characters' designs, it very much reminds me of, like I said, Derek Thompson, the way he drew um, uh, uh, Spider-Jerusalem. Like, it's, it's very, very reminiscent of that. I, I, I dig it so much. And uh, there was another really cool thing. As you're scrolling through this book, you see the, the QR barcodes. Yeah. You actually noticed that. Yeah, I, I, when you sent it over to me, I started looking through it, and it's towards the very end of the issue. It's like they have uh, music to sync up with the ending of the issue, and I thought that was very neat. Like, I instantly recognized, like, is it a QR code? Okay. And it sends you to a Google Drive music file, and there are actually two of them, and it's one... I mean, they're both taking place at, uh, pretty close to the same scene, but the last one really feels like they set it up to be outro music. Like, yeah. it's, this is like, you're at the end of the issue, you know, here's a little play out, and I thought that was really neat. Yeah, for sure. Uh, who is it that is actually, uh, what was the band that did that? It's uh, Silver Something. I'll post the uh, all of the links in the descriptions for sure. What is it? Uh, Society of the Silver Cross. Yeah. That, that's who. That's who the music is featured in this. And issue two, when it comes out, they have somebody pegged potentially to. They're, they're going to feature music, and I'll be damned if that's not fucking cool as shit. So there are new comic book company trying to or, uh, creators trying to get out there, but at the meantime, they're trying to 
boost musicians and stuff like that trying to get their shit out there too like I don't know how big Society of the Silver Cross is for all I know they're huge in Norway I don't know um, I haven't heard of them though so they're, they're the fact is they're still boosting people whether they're mainstream or not in my area I've, I find that so cool um, there's <laughs> I just like artists working with artists in all different aspects the I, I don't I don't have anything poor to say about this book. Being's the it, it it's art reminiscent to one of my favorite graphic novels of all time. Yeah, obviously it doesn't falter visually. And the way the story goes, I, I like you know, it's gonna sound really bad saying this. I like a grimy story involving a lot of fucked up shit with drugs and stuff. And this is definitely a grimy story involving a lot of fucked up shit with drugs and stuff. So, I mean, it's, uh, there's an audience, I mean, I'm part of this audience, I, I, I like it a lot, a lot. So, S.K. Malvo and Andres Quesada Pena, um, I, yeah, make sure you guys check out The Music Maker, number one, official releases on May 11th, I'll have uh, all types of information in the description of the podcast and all that stuff too, so, yeah, fucking... Good job, guys. Thank you so much for submitting. And any other creators out there, if, if you know, you got stuff that you want reviewing, you know, you're looking for a little bit of exposure, send it to me. Um, full disclosure, I don't like fucking manga. So, I mean, if you send me manga, I'll, I'll review it, but I don't... You're going to have to look to me for a next, uh, for an outside opinion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty amazing is definitely my manga guy for that. Um, but, uh, yeah, other than that, and don't, don't send me, you know, 500 pages, send me a few, webcomics are great, even if you're doing webcomics, send me fucking webcomics, I love this shit, man. Um, so, fact is, keep creating, fuckers, thank you so much for submitting. Alright, so at this point, I'm gonna talk about all the other stuff that I, I got around to reading, but doesn't necessarily find anything to particularly overview about the book. Uh, whether it be based off of ignorance or just uh, it would have been too quick of an overview. So let's start out with that. Uh, we got Symbiote Spider-Man. One reason I didn't really choose to overview this book was because of, for one, we, we got plenty of Spider-Man as it was. So this is a, a Mysterio-heavy story. There was, uh, it's, it's essentially Peter Parker with black suit Spider-Man. Again, they're really... Dumping that lately, because even in Amazing Spider-Man right now, he's running around in the, the Thunderdome with Black Suit. Uh, from Boom Studios, we got Ronan Island number two. I was very, 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 very excited about Ronan Island number one. This book was pretty awesome too. It's just a, a very quick continuation of the happenings. We get the 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 Shogun general or whatever fucking shit up, and then it's pretty much like, all right, we fuck shit up, and now let's uh, let's. Now you got to do what I do, because we helped you, and they're like, well, we're not going to help you. And he's like, well, I think you should help me. And you get a little bit of back and forth, and uh, actually it's a whole lot of back and forth. So, that's essentially, like I said, it's hard to do a whole overview of that without reciting it. Word for word. Um, DC Comics, we got Red Hood Outlaw. Uh, more, um, I, I, it's kind of the second part of an arc that I forgot to start. I fucked up and missed issue number 32. For whatever reason, I just forgot to read it. So issue 33, I wasn't completely lost, but I wasn't. I don't feel strong enough about the book to where I felt comfortable talking to you fine listeners about it. Savage Sword of Conan, I got my Conan out of No Road Home this week, 
and I get my Conan out of Jason Aaron's Conan the Barbarian. I said, uh, I just, for whatever reason, I, th- I keep thinking I'm dropping this book, not because I don't like it, just because I only got room for so much Conan in my life. So I didn't get around to reading it, but because I own it eventually, on a, on a slow, rainy day, I probably will. Uh, from Dark Horse Comics, Aliens Resistance, number three. Uh, I'm not sure how far this series is going. I don't know if it's a miniseries, a maxi-series. I'm going to find out, and when I do, I'll know at what point I should be reading. And uh, that's all I got for honorable mentions. There was 5,286 other books that came out last Wednesday. I, I wish I had the ability to create the time to read all of them. If there's stuff that you're reading, or a series that you're reading, that you would like me to talk about more often, you know how to work the internet. So just ask, and maybe I'll put it on my pull list. I'm not shy. Um... Moving along to the wall books now. This is all the pretty stuff. Pretty, 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 pretty stuff. Four very, very, very strong wall books. And I don't... I'm still deciding in my head which one I like the most. As, as I talk about this, so let's get down to it. We're now at Catwoman number 10. So, at this point, I, I think it's comfortable to say, use the word naturally. We get an art germ variant. God damn, man. It's... The, the cat... I... It's so weird how I'm like, ah, oh, art germ's overrated, except for when he draws Catwoman. <laughs> and every single Catwoman cover is just, it's stellar. It's completely stellar. I don't, mm. uh, We get a Batman Who Last variant. All of the variants have been amazing. This one uh, is Carrie Andrews again. Uh, I, I, I love the, it's just the purple and green coloration. I love the little terrifying little Robins. It's... <laughs> it's dark, man. We get my boy Francesco Mattina on the Batman. Uh, the best part about this book is the B cover by Mattina. Fucking, I like the way he he almost makes him look evil in that one. Uh, I don't. <laughs> it's kind of. He almost looks deceased, if you will. Uh, I don't know. He looks like a zombie is what I'm trying to say. I dig it, though. Another uh, variant that zombified a character was Red Hood, the outlaw, number 33. Um, uh, a Perio cover. And this one, <laughs> it's it's got all Jason Todd there with the skull face. And I don't, I don't know what to make of it, uh, <laughs> but it, I enjoy it quite a bit. Quite a bit. So at this point, I guess I need to start making decisions. Uh, I don't know if you guys care or not, but my favorite books of the week, and all the categories and whatnot, <coughs> we got, uh, I guess let's start with the cover. I don't even know if my cover of the week goes to a wall book. I think it only makes sense that I had to. Um, dude, the f- fucking Red Hood cover, I guess. I'd say the Lucia Perio Red Hood cover is just off. Off the fucking wall. It's it's going to go so good on the wall. So good. Um, did you see any covers that really stuck out to you this week, Mason? There's some good, damn good ones. I mean, the Catwoman cover, the Batman cover. Oh, you... Oh, you oh you like the Karen to the Batman who laughs? <laughs> I don't blame you. Yeah, no, it was a damn good one. Um, actually, when I saw it online, I didn't... I didn't know. I didn't pre-order this one. Because the digital picture just didn't do it justice. But then I picked it up and I was like, damn, that's badass. Damn, damn good. 
Um, interiors of the week. I'm going to actually have to go... Oh, there's some really, really, really good stuff. Uh, Murder Falcon. It's just... Daniel Warren Johnson and Mike Spicer just know what the fuck they're doing. I love... It was a very metal issue again. I just... It fucking brought it. I really, 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 really brought it. Uh, my book of the week... Uh, hmm... Uh, probably Detective Comics, actually, just because of how surprised I was. Uh, how, um, I, I didn't know what to expect going into it. Uh, I like, I, I like seeing, I guess, it's kind of, now that I, I think about it before I say it, I like seeing Batman getting really fucked up. And Batman got really fucked up in Detective Comics this week. And it looks like he's going to continue to get fucked up, uh, in 1002. So, uh, that's, that does it for all of my picks of the week. At this point, I think we can move on to uh, next week's hype. There are a bunch of books to be excited for next week. Uh, I, I'm going to start with Valiant. I think there's only one Valiant book, actually. But it is the end of another volume. Exo Man of War number 26. Matt Kent and Thomas Goriello eventually... Uh, at some point at the end of the year, we're going to get another volume, so i got to jump in and start talking about EXO, because I know you're a big Valiant fan, Mason, and I'm probably convinced you to get in some of that. You probably could. Uh, I think Bloodshot's going to start another series, too. So. I'd be excited to see Bloodshot continue. For sure. So, yeah, no, that's, uh, that's, that's it. Number 26 is going to do it. Um, it's, well, it's a pretty light week until you get to uh, Marvel, actually. But when Marvel happens... As no, of course, when Marvel happens, it gets it gets heavy. There's some good stuff though. None of it's fluff, in my opinion. Infinity Watch number three, Jerry Duggan and Andy McDonald. So I'm learning more about Wolverine and his claw glove. Uh, West Coast Avenger number ten, Kelly Thompson and Moy R. Uh, this book is ending at number sixteen, I believe. We get a War of the Realms tie-in. Uh, War Scrolls number one. Uh, Jason Aaron's writing it, too. That's pretty dope. It looks like another team of writers, along with Andrea Sorrentino and a bunch of other artists. So, fucking A. Oh, and Jer <laughs> another War of the Realms tie-in. Punisher, number one. Jerry Duggan and Marcello Ferreira. I said it wrong. You know what I mean. Oh, man. Uh, I'm so excited to see Frankie Castle just bust his way through fucking all of them frost giants and whatnot. Uh, we, we get another War of the Realms. This one, not a tie-in. It's the main story, motherfuckers. Number two, Jason Aaron and Russell Dodderman. They're just, they're really throwing it out. They're going to make me a busy guy. I committed to this, this fucking story. And, oh man, it's going to, it's going to be the best money I ever spent in comics. I better be. I have Uncanny X-Men, number 16, Matthew Rosenberg and Salvador La Roca. Um, we're gonna learn more about all Cyclops finally getting down to one eye. You were wondering about one eye Cyclops the other night. Matthew Rosenberg's fixing the telly on Wednesday. Tony Stark, Iron Man, number 10, Dan Slot, Valerio, Skitty. Uh, this, oh, oh yes. Okay, I got ahead of myself. The Alexander Lozano, Lozano covers are still fucking, they're so good. It looks like this is what our fourth... War of the Realms tie-in now with Thor number 12, Jason Aaron, Michael Del Mundo. Hmm. Ah. 
so many books to talk about all in that. I'm going to have a whole podcast just on War of the Realms next week, I bet. Um, You're definitely, like you said, going to have to go through at least a timeline for <laughs> War of the Realms. Oh, for sure. Uh, Spider-Man Life Story, number two. This time we're in the 70s. Chip Zarsky and Mark Bagley. I think I decided I'm going to read all of these uh, in a bulk on a rainy day type of thing. None of these books are in continuity. It's just Spider-Man in the 60s. Now we're going to get Spider-Man in the 70s. I betcha, I betcha, next week we get Spider-Man in the 40s, just based off of math. Uh, Miles Morales, Spider-Man, number five. Saladin Ahmed and Javier Garon. Um, one of my favorite Spider-Man titles. I, I really dig the way that uh, Saladin Ahmed tells tells Miles' story. Now we also got Old Man Quill, number four. Ethan Saxon, Ibriam Robertson. Of course, of course, I'm digging Old Man Quill. You bet your ass I'm talking about that book. Uh, Meet the Scrolls, number three. Robbie Thompson and Nico Heinrichen. I think this is going to be like a five or six part miniseries or something like that. I heard the first issue was amazing. I haven't heard anything since, but I think I'm going to read all of this in a little bulk. Uh, I, I'm subscribed to it. I'm just, I have no intentions on reading it anytime soon. Uh, Marvel, Spider-Man City at War, number two, Dennis Hopeless and Michael Bandini. The thing is, is I, this is the Spider-Man uh, based off the video game, the PS4 game, that I, I don't have time to play. So I don't know what the hell is going on. I bought issue one just because you, that's what you do. Uh, but I didn't read it. So we got issue number two now. So all you gamers out there, uh, here, I hear it's great. And Dennis Hopeless is the fucking man, so he's not going to steer you wrong. I really like that he had a big part of the production of the story of the game as well. We've got Major X number two, Rob Liefeld and Brent Peebles. Magnificent Miss Marvel number two, Saladima <laughs> and Minky Jung. Saladima and is still doing his uh boy once again surprised me um with Miss Marvel. I was I did not like G Willow Wilson's Miss Marvel as well reviewed as the the, the populace claimed it to be. Just I I could, didn't make me like the character. Saladima and Med based off the first issue didn't even necessarily change anything about this. Uh, this character or the the aspect was just I I'm just told the story better and immediately that brought me in so um I am subscribed to a Miss Marvel title uh, there's probably a lot of Facebook people from last year that probably want to say I told you so listen to the podcast you get to say it Guardians of the Galaxy number four Donny Cates Jeff Shaw of course I'm reading it Daredevil number four Chip Zarsky and Marco Cicchetto. Super, super, super strong start to a Daredevil run. I really liked uh, the, the, the the last run. Oh, shit, what was his name? I forgot the, the guy's name that wrote the last book. Because hmm. he's been quiet in comics. But he, so I, I'm not going to talk about a guy whose name I can't remember. Fact is, Zarsi is killing it. And Marco Cicchetto is maybe one of my favorite interior artists of all time. And he's just getting better. Because he's a newbie. He's a fucking newbie. And he's... Uh, we get the conclusion to Avengers No Road Home. Uh, Al Ewing, Mark Wade, Jim Zub, and Sean Azaski's, uh, um behind the art on this one. I can't wait to see how Vision saves the day, I'm assuming. 
Uh, if that's not what happens, I'm okay with that too. We get a uh, Spider-Man Hunted tie-in story with Nick Spencer and Chris Pacella. We got 19.HU. I believe this one is going to revolve around Lizard. So the HU tie-ins are kind of sympathetic sob stories about some of the villains trying to humanize them based off of what I saw in the last couple. Um, hopefully this one brings me in just a little bit more because I know this villain a little bit better. Um, Age of X-Men, Next Gen, number three, Ed Brisson and Marcus Tull. I stopped at number one on all of the X-Men um, miniseries or whatever. I just, I think I'm going to read them all in bulk. But at this point, we're at number three. Same with Night, The Amazing Nightcrawler, number three, Shauna McGuire and Juan Figueredi. Moving into Image, it's going to be a good week for Image. We got Oliver, number three, Gary Witta, and Derek Robertson. Remember how I talked about Derek Robertson earlier? He's doing fucking Oliver now. This has been a surprisingly awesome story. And the fact that Gary Witta is new to comics, he's a screenwriter. And, uh, yeah, no, dig it. Dig it out quite a bit. Middle West number six, Scotty Young and Jorge Corona. I'm impressed that Scotty Young decided not to take a break after issue number five. I had, I had thought that that would happen, but I it's continuing on. I fucking dig it. We got Little Bird number two. Uh, turns out this is a five-part miniseries, so it's not going to be ongoing. Darcy Van Polgeest and Ian Bertram. I talked about issue number one. wasn't necessarily a me book, but there's a huge high demand for it, so I guess at this point I'm just reminding everybody that it's coming Wednesday. Uh, the Millerverse, more from Image Comics. We got Kick-Ass, number 13, Steve Niles and Marcello Fusen. I wish I would have jumped on that one. Uh, Farmhand, number 7, Rob Gilroy and Taylor Wells. Totally reading Farmhand. Uh, totally caught me by surprise. Dug it. Dig it quite a bit still. So it gets better. East of West, number 42, Jonathan Hickman and Nick DeGrada. Uh... I hear it's one of Image's best books out there. Unfortunately, I just it's too far in for me to find the time to to take a side to to get caught up. Oh, last from Image Comics, we got Assassination Number Two: Kyle Starks and Erica Henderson. Did not subscribe to this book initially. Uh, impulsively, I picked up Number One off the shelf. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy the book. We got Fuck Tarkington just tearing shit up, and I want to see Fuck Tarkington continue to tear shit up. And issue number two. Um, IDW Publishing, Transformers number three, Brian Ruckley, Andrew Hernandez, and Ron Joseph. I believe we get more robots. More Transformers in disguise for robots. But, um, I think that is going to do it until we get to DC now. A uh, very small week for DC. But I'm excited. Uh, first, we're going to do the DC Vertigo stuff. We got Lucifer, number seven, Dan Waters, and Max Fuamara. I can only assume his brother Sebastian Fuamara is still working on this book as well. I, it's the only book in the Sandman Universe revival that I'm still subscribed to, but I, I am fully fucking subscribed to it. Uh, American Carnage, number six, Brian Hill, Leonardo Fernandez, a book that I am not subscribed to, but I hear is highly, highly satisfying. And we've also, now let's just move into the mainstream DC, huh? 
Teen Titans, number 29, Adam Glass, Christopher Priest, and Bernard Chang. Not reading Teen Titans. Probably should be, though. We've got Nightwing, number 59, Dan Jorgens and Chris Mooneyham. Nightwing now is more intriguing than it has ever been since issue number 50, getting shot in the dome. Totally dig this story. We've got Justice League, number 22. Man, this story's moving along quick. James Tinney in the fourth and Francis Manpool. That tells me this is not a Justice League story. This is a Legion of Doom story on account of James Tinney in the fourth is writing it. So I am super excited to see how um, they're... Uh, uh, I want to see the, the, the imp that Lex Luthor is teasing Brainiac with. It's going to be dope. Fucking Electric Warriors, number six. I think this issue, or this series is over now. I think this is only a six-issue miniseries, but we got Steve Orlando and Travel Foreman telling some crazy Jack Kirby universe shit. I read the first couple issues. I enjoyed it a lot. It just continues to fall on heavy weeks, so I had to had to sacrifice something. We're at Damage, number 16, Robert Vendetti, Aaron Lopresetti, and Matt Ryan. One of the few DC revival books, or whatever they call that little thing they're doing, trying to bring in the new characters. One of the ones that didn't get the axe, so Damage apparently is still popular. That's cool. Uh, Batman, number 69, Tom King and Yannick Paquette. So, I know that we're going to get another Nightmare story out of this. Um, I know that I'm going to get... They're still DC is going to get eight bucks out of me because I'm a completionist and I'm curious and I really really love a Francesco Matina Batman variant. So you get two issues. I'm going to buy. I I have faith though. I know Tom King knows how to write a story that intrigues me and I, I didn't mean to go off earlier. I'm just so confused, guys, and I hope this one, it's, I, I, what it comes down to, the, the most satisfying thing for me would be if I was right, and Tom King's run does end with Bat and Cat getting, getting married, and that's, it, it, I, I'm okay with calling it, but, you know, I, I like all the teasing, I guess, it's just, I think it could be done in, like, a miniseries. Like, if Tom King just continued to write Batman and at the same time he just chucked out, like, here's a six-issue uh, miniseries to to read on the side for the hardcore nerds. Like, I, I would understand that. That's just opinion. Opinion doesn't fucking matter. Um, so, yeah, no, that's, that's all I got for uh, my opinion doesn't matter. Um, that's all I got for uh, next week's hype. There's there's plenty more that's coming out, for sure. I um uh, I don't I don't think I have anything else to say. I think overall it was a a pretty pretty fun week. There was tons of shit to fucking get caught up on. Lots of new stuff. Um, there was a lot of number ones, I guess. Not a lot of number ones. Um, I guess only really one first time new read. Yeah, no, Journey in the Mystery. Oh, and Squirrel Girl. So yeah, no, my number one first time does gonna go to. Um, Journey in the Mystery. It was, it was dope. So yeah, no, those are my my ending thoughts. Uh, make sure you guys catch our uh, Hellboy podcast that came out uh, not too long ago. Um, thought it was pretty cool. And you know where to find us. I will actually, I want to push Patreon this week because uh, it started to roll in. Pretty proud of that. We got We're still working on the uh, editing for the YouTube Hellboy podcast though. 
Yes, no, that, that'll be up soon. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate you reminding us about that. That will be up soon. It has not been forgotten. So, yeah, no, all the social media for all the questions. Guys, once again, I'm going to say, like, for the fifth time, all you Batman Tom King fans that are loving the Nightmare story, please, fill me in. Other than that, that's all I'm going to talk about this week. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in to yet another episode of 26 of the Cheers to Comics podcast. You nerds, read responsibly. Cheers.